Hey, this is Steve, and welcome back to Restless, the podcast. You know, it's been a crazy last few months, and we're kind of hoping and praying that you guys are doing well, that you're hanging in there and coping with these challenges that we're presented with right now. You know, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear about your story. As I've often said that when you hear from me or Luke, each of our own personal stories are kind of like our own fingerprints, and there's none like them. So it would be fantastic if you would want to think about and pray about being a part of our show. Why don't you do this? Why don't you go to our website, restlesspodcast.com? And there's a place that you can go to a drop-down menu that says, Tell Your Story. Go there and leave some information about yourself. We'd love to chat with you personally, however you're comfortable with, to hear about what God has done in your life. And if you want to, go back and listen to some of the stories that we've already done to give you a sense of platform that how we do it and how unique and personal these stories have become because your story is unique and it can and has changed people's lives. Tonight, Luke is no different than any other time that we've been here. We have a guest with us, John, who himself has a unique story that uh, I think somewhere, as C.S. Lewis would say, you will find yourself in that story somewhere. So, Luke, tell us a little bit about John. Hey, guys. Welcome back again. Today we're going to have John with us today, and we're very happy to have him. And before getting into his story, I'm just going to give you a little bit of background on him so you guys know what to expect. As a 19-year-old engineering student, John would walk the streets of his college town in the middle of the night looking for answers to a growing restlessness in his heart. Perhaps he would run into someone who could help him make sense of what seemed like a pointless life or just offer some companionship. All he encountered, though, was silence and the stillness of the early morning hours. It almost seemed intentional that he could not find anyone. Yet in that stillness, he begins to reflect on his life and pray. In time, including some odd encounters, God reveals himself. Today at the age of 53 and a successful engineer, John reflects on those years and speaks to a whole host of life's issues. Let's hear what he has to say. Luke, thank you for that handoff and for that uh, bio on John. John, you know, you, you've heard some of our stories at Restless, the podcast, and they're all different, they're all unique, but there seems to be a common thread that runs through them all, and that's at some point in time, their life, your life has changed. If you would be so kind, would you take us on your journey tonight? Sure, I'd be glad to do that. The, um, the word restless resonates with me from an experience, well, several experiences in college, where Walking the streets at night, uh, having uh, not not uh, accomplished all of my studies necessarily, and and um, feeling the tension of the day, and not being able to find anyone. Uh, so our our time period is the late '80s. So there's not going to be a cell phone. The phones will all have mm-hmm. electrical wires attached to them. There's not going to be a way to text anyone. So you call your friends on the phone, you call your classmates, and you uh, go to their different dorms and different locations on campus, and you knock on the door and you say, I just feel like I need to talk. Something's concerning me. This is, I'm not sure what to make of this. So you're not really sure, but you, you feel you need to talk. 
but there's nobody to talk to. So you find yourself on the street on the edge of town, the small college town at the Dunkin' Donuts, and uh, it's empty between 1 and 3 o'clock in the morning. And you don't really want a donut, but that's the only thing that's open. So that's the, the light at the end of the road. So I would walk until I would come to the end of the town to the Dunkin' Donuts, and, and, um, and I'd find myself praying. I'd, needing someone to talk to, I'd talk to the Lord and say, these are the things that are concerning me about being concerned about the future, being, being lonely for um, companionship. And um, as, a, as a young uh, college man wanting a girlfriend and not really understanding what's the, what's the point in it all and uh, being challenged by an, an engineering curriculum. So that was, that was my restlessness. That was where I would find myself maybe three, four times. And it always struck me as odd that with all the people that I knew and the confined uh, campus that we were on, that I couldn't find anyone if I was looking for five to eight different people. couldn't find anyone earlier in the night. So I would, I would go on my, my wandering for uh, not wanting to bother the guys in the dorm and who I um, didn't have the type of relationship that I wanted to talk um, with the people that I didn't know well. So I would talk to the Lord. And um, through that, I recognized that that the, the odds weren't very good that I'd be able to, that no one would be available. So I just kind of attributed that to God getting my attention through that quietness so that the restlessness that I felt that he took away all of my other distractions. There wasn't even anyone to talk to at the Dunkin' Donuts. And there wasn't a hunger for uh, donuts at 1, one to 3 o'clock in the morning. It was just a matter of, of um, needing to resolve some things. So being able to talk with him on the quiet of the streets made all the difference to the point where I could see that I was a lousy lord of my own life. I, was, I, I wasn't going to do well if I was the one making all the decisions in my own selfishness and, and um, arrogance and uh, naive thinking a lot of times. So I needed more wisdom. I needed more patience. I needed more insight for life. So recognizing that God had all those things and it was um, best to allow him that space was, uh, was the difference, was what, that, was what that restlessness was about to be able to find him and say, yes, you are my Lord. So you, it would, that would be at the age of what, 19? So at seven years old, at 13 years old, you have, you're, hear different uh, testimonies and say, invite Jesus into your heart. But what does that mean, right? Here you can talk to somebody, you can go to the church, you can have a Bible. You, there's all kinds of um, things that you can do. But uh, being able to 
know, be with God, wasn't something that was really understood. So that would be the um, that would be a turning point for me in terms of um, following Him and and committing to Him. That um, yes, Lord, you can have my whole life. That wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Now, how are you going to figure that out? What does what does that mean, right? That's just mm. what you're still. Are you going to do your Are you going to do your schoolwork, or aren't you? Are you Are you, you going to uh, drop everything and be a missionary somewhere? Well, what the, what would that entail? And and um, who's sending you, and why would you go? What what's your What's your story? So it was a matter of well, I'm, I'll keep on doing, following the opportunities that I have, and um, look for direction. So as a so that was as a freshman beginning to um, make some better decisions and recognize my selfishness and and look for opportunities to serve more than to uh, to be served. And uh, the the sophomore year, there would be a guy who's carrying his own cross. He's, he had a made out of two by sixes and and um he would uh, say that we should form coalitions to kill blacks and gays which was um wasn't as controversial back then as it would be today but um but I stopped to argue with him to say you know wait a minute how can you how can you say that how, how can that be right so he would um point at his he would put in his Bible and say, this is, this is what, how he understood it. And, and I would argue with him there'd be a couple dozen kids you know, watching on the, on what they call the mall area, the common space of the campus. And, and, uh, it would be, it would be interesting. So to, to be able to stand up and say, I don't, I don't believe that's right. So to be able to do that was new. Um, then that would be because there was another preacher who would, um, a mall preacher, open air preacher who would come and, and, um, say outlandish things and say, my source is the Bible as well. I thought, well, you know what? Maybe I need to understand what the Bible says for myself. Maybe I need to, need to develop my own understanding to be able to uh, speak intelligently about this and not just argue these guys for just for whatever comes into my head or whatever I think is right, because they're obviously going back to the Bible. And, and, um, even though it's completely flawed because, um, killing people, uh, and taking a, a hostile position, I didn't, uh, I can tell you that that doesn't, that doesn't wash with anything that the, that Jesus tells us to do. Right. So, um, now I can point it a little more <laughs> if if I need to for that argument. But and you're still 19 years old. Yes, um, I've, I'm 20. I've, it's the next year, and and now people are saying, "Oh, wow, you're interested in those things. Why don't you come be part of our Bible study?" Oh, okay. Well, what's what's a Bible study? <laughs> you know what a Bible study is. So. Well, when you read the Bible, the, there was a they got back back to the nineteen year old, the, the freshman year, they, that I was interested to learn about the Bible from from these challenges that I'm referring to. And and the guy lives in my hall. He says, and um, his nickname was Ches. And I said, Ches, you read the Bible, don't you? He said, Yeah. I said, Where did you start? Where did you know? You just pick it up from the beginning. He said, Start in the Book of John. Great, the Book of John. 
So leave his room. And then um, catch him in the hall a couple minutes later. What do you mean the book of John? Where? What is that? <laughs> that's the most, a reasonable that, question. That's how, that's how naive I was about it, right? Well, that's in the beginning of the New Testament. What's the New Thank Testament? You. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Got a concept of what the New Testament is, but maybe you could uh, fill in some gaps for me. So, so uh, okay, this guy is is interested and completely ignorant. So, uh, so was able to he was able to put me in touch with an, another guy who said, "You want a Bible? We'll we'll go to the uh, the store and and uh, you can shop for one with me." It's a, a week or so later, and that's where I got into the. Um, the first uh, NIV translation and study Bible here. Study this. Go through this a little bit. So that was the that was the beginning of good things. So that was that was where I saw that uh, that that restlessness does have a place, and that God does speak into the the quiet, and He makes the space for the quiet. Can I ask you though? I mean, <clears throat> at that age, there's a, a lot of restlessness, and and in that group of people trying to figure out life, where they're going. Why was why was God even on your radar? I mean, why not heroin? Why, you know, why not sex? That's an interesting question. Um, so, had a sense of um, right and wrong, and uh, I think a lot of it is opportunity. So with drugs, you would say, well, that's the wrong thing to do, and that's, that's not in my best interest. And then with, um, with um, seeking out girls that they weren't all that interested, so that was um, probably the uh, blessing that way as well. So it's probably, I see it as, as, mat, as um, being limited in, in uh, my temptations and opportunities mm. more than anything good that I would do. Was was God something that was a, a staple in your household growing up? It's interesting that um, my um, my father came over to this country from Germany at the age of eleven, and they would be sponsored. And his father, he had diff- had a lot of um, I don't know what's the best way. I've been challenged not to um, be disrespectful. To, uh, uh, and I didn't know him, but um, my father had a very hard upbringing from his father, put it to you that way. And uh, but he would take them to church, and he would um, point out some uh, biblical ideas to his son at the same time that he was uh, not doing well by him as a as a father. So so that there's a lot of complication and tension that mm-hmm. came from that. So, uh, and the way that I look at fatherhood, that he d- he didn't have a very good father, and he he would um, say that. Uh, I asked him why I asked my dad one time. I said, um, "What's your what's your mark in on the world?" You know, people talk about leaving their mark. What's your mark? And as soon as I got the question out, he didn't think about it at all. He said, "You, you're my mark on the world." No hesitation. No hesitation. We're driving along in the car. I remember where we were when we had that conversation. You know, you remember where you are for certain conversations that, or or certain um, 
certain uh, incidents, you know, when the um, when the space shuttle blew up, when the president was mm-hmm. was uh, was shot, when when you heard about nine eleven, you know, you still remember the spaces that you were in and the kind of the thing that what was in your visual view at that time. So that's one of those that that um, I still remember that uh, where we were, and uh, and so the idea when with fatherhood was that. I'm going to do I'm going to do better than my father did and I'm going to give you the tools and resources to do better than I did. So just to um that was that was kind of the scale that you're working on is that to to do better. So you kind of felt like uh your dad's dad was kind of hard on him but your dad was the kind of guy, particularly this landmark moment where he says, "You're my mark." That 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 left quite the impression for you, and uh, but still, there was this ache in your heart for something more, right? Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of there. There was a lot of things that that weren't making sense and and weren't um, comfortable or at peace within. And what were they? That's an interesting question. What was the source of restlessness? What wasn't at peace? Well, I don't. I don't know that I've. I I don't know that I've put a label on a whole lot of that. So, think about is is it hard to understand a college student not feeling like they're part of anything, not feeling like they're. Uh, understand what their what the world's about and and why they're why they should continue to do what they're doing mm-hmm. you know now you're on your own you've um your your meals your your living space how you spend your day is is different and it and it's going towards what your major of study is which doesn't seem to relate to anything really in the world there's no context to it so you're a bit adrift Unless you've unless you've coming in with a vision, unless you've come in with a tribe, we we um that's a, a more common expression now to find your tribe. So it's about having a place of belonging, and and having a a purpose. So I think that would be two big aspects of it. Another part of it is the brokenness of the world around us and. My the my own brokenness and the hurt that I bring to other people and not being able to reconcile that, so there's a bunch of of different dimensions of why there wouldn't be peace. Yeah, and you told me, and I've heard you tell me this before that, and what was one of those marks for me is that here's this 19 year old walking the streets in the middle of the night with this sense of restlessness about them looking for something I, and I assume it's that void that's the companionship of, of something that you feel like is supposed to be there yes hmm. and you you came to this conclusion you the engineer figured out that it's God right I mean not everybody comes to that conclusion yeah and I wouldn't say that as uh, like I said it took it took several late night walks to say, "Why am I here alone? How do, how is it that there's no one to talk? Of everyone that I know, what's what's bothering me? 
what what's calling to me and it, and then it would be a, a realization to say i need the lord so so uh it's as with anything having to do with god i can't take credit and say oh, i figured it out here's my here's my good deduction it's more a matter of he's revealing that he is the rightful lord and i'm finally able to see past all of the noise in my life to him because he's made enough quiet for me to see. But that, that quiet, that, that loneliness, that too was kind of painful, wouldn't it? Yeah, you could, there, there's a, yeah, there's desire. I'm, I'm not in a hurry to call it painful because so many people go through a lot more, mm. you know, on a relative pain scale that it's kind of, so, it's challenging, sure. Yeah. How were you in college just uh, around people? Um, the fact that you were kind of wandering in the streets at, at night, you know, kind of speaks to the issue of, like, was it difficult to relate to folks? Oh, I had some, um, I had some great guys to, to hang around with, uh, some fellows in my major that were um, just struggling together and wanted to, willing to study together and, and um, they half tutored me through engineering. So, I know <laughs> if not for if not for uh, uh, three or four uh, good friends that I that I made in in uh, engineering, that I wouldn't have been able to get through. So I, there was there was a place to that um, a shared struggle and and um, trying to understand the material that was enjoyable and uh, and uh, uh, I was a little over my head for for much of it so there was a lot of uh, friendship and and fellowship in the the study the long study hours so do you remember that point in time where you came to this place where that void that sense of restlessness that we often speak to of in this podcast because that's who we are then you said this is this was what I feel tugging on my heart. This is what I need to do. Do you remember that? It was in that discussion where the guy was was opened his Bible and said that. Uh, well, I had the um, the malt back to the story of the mall preacher that um, I asked him a question. Then he said, "You ask a good question. You ask the meaning of life." And I thought, well, that that really wasn't my. I didn't. I wouldn't describe it that way. And uh and he opens up his Bible and he and he reads something which didn't make any sense to me and how it related to the meaning of life. Closes the Bible, he's quite happy with himself. He's going going on to see some other outlandish things and uh and I thought, that's that's not right. That's that doesn't make any sense at all. So that was the that was really my aha point of saying, okay, he's got a source. I need to go to that same source and come to my own understanding. And then, and then I, I would um, so I would read my Bible at, at night in the um, in the lounge they would call it. You'd have couches that were just in an open space in the in the um, dormitory. So I'd I'd just read the Bible and I thought. You know, I don't really understand what I'm what I'm doing in terms of um, what I'm looking for in this, but 
let me just understand it in general. So I decided not to keep track of, not to outline it, not to keep track of who was doing what. Just let me read the story of it. Understand the, the New Testament is about the life of Jesus as opposed to time before Jesus from the beginning of the world up until, up until the life of Jesus in the Old Testament. So start in the New Testament and let's read those stories and see what, what are the themes, what's the, what's the underlying idea here. And that's where I came to understand and appreciate his lordship, that none of his bones were broken and that he was God's son and that, he, that I, I was the uh, one that needed to die for my sins. And unless he took that, uh, that responsibility, unless he paid that penalty, that I needed to pay it. So that's where all that understanding came in just from reading the Bible. Wow, and you had heard from... A handful of people were saying some pretty outlandish things, all connecting it back to the Bible, right? Right, yeah. And I would watch a, a TV show where someone like that was um, was interviewed, and part of their strategy was to say, maybe you disagree with this, and if you go back and, and uh, read the Bible for yourself, that, that that's one of our objectives for you. I was like, okay, it doesn't seem exactly, seem doesn't seem like the best approach to me, but... Okay, well, I'm on board. I did that. Hmm. So, again, that moment, it was you picking up the Bible yourself and going through it and the Lord leading you, obviously, at some, po- some point in time to, to draw these conclusions. Do you recall a time where you said, Lord, you know, I, I need you? Yeah, that's a funny thing because I talked about the... Um, those times where, you know, mm-hmm. if it was um, seven or 13 years old at the skating rink and the mm-hmm. Catholic Church comes and says, if you want to give your life to Jesus, raise your hand and do that. And it, and it uh, doesn't mean a whole lot to you. It's like, yeah, I mean, Jesus is son of God and I need to do that. So, yeah, I'm doing it. <laughs> so there's kind of, uh, there's there's kind of, yeah. I'm a I'm a good person. I'm gonna follow the Lord, not uh, not knowing at all what He says or what to do, or uh, as a as a child. So when you make that transition as an adult, to say, well, when when was the moment? I don't know. From from that reading, I don't have a a um, a decision point necessarily. It was just making a confession of faith and go, okay, I really do need you. I do. I I see that I. I see that I have not made you Lord. That um, it's time to it's time to give you that spot because I'm a I'm a lousy God. Mm. Tell us about that going forward. From maybe not that specific point, but for you, it was kind of almost a revelation of of understanding the things. But what happened from there? How did your life change, and what did you do different? Uh, it was a matter of. Who who are my friends going to be, and and um, what was I going to do? How was I going to live in a way that allowed God to be Lord? So he has his uh, he has his Sabbath, he has his um, his Holy Word, he has his uh, he has his finances that someone uh, was speaking uh, to the group and he, and he held up his wallet and he said, this belongs to the Lord. And he held up, pulled out pictures of his family and said, 
These all belong to the Lord. So to dedicate those things to the Lord, those people to the Lord, those relationships, everything that you have, and then to say, I recognize that they're all from you. What do I, what, what's my part in it now, Lord? How do you, how, how can I serve you? And being, uh, being a follower as someone that's kind of a, has a leadership mindset, and is used to jumping out and taking ownership of things and saying that it's now I'm a steward as opposed to an owner, that now someone else is, is the uh, one who uh, sets the rules and decides what's right and wrong, and it's for me to understand them and pick them up and follow, that that was the, that was the transition. Mm. And, and much happier that way. How did it do in that respect to, to relationships? You, you're married now. Um, how about meeting that uh, person that just has been a companion and wife for some time now? How, how did that come about? Yeah, in relationships, that, was, that would be a key aspect, right, to say, you know, if we do have the same source of right and wrong or the mm-hmm. idea of, of um, how can you uh, enjoy being together if you... If you don't have um, common values, right, you'd be going in very different directions. So, so being able to um, serve alongside someone and and share uh, what as you develop your understanding of what's right, and and uh, that's that's uh, so. In my way of looking at at um, living together with people of, of sharing life together. Are you familiar with the, uh, with the game? It's been, it was popular many years ago. It's still out on the market, a video game called civilization. So yep. you're, so you're going to, um, I don't know the game well, but I, I had this concept in my mind of what, um, what living together in relation to others was like in it. And I saw this game civilization. So if you already know that game, then you've already got the visual image that I'd been living with so in the game that you only have this small portion that you can see down in the earth of where you are and what's around you so in the game you're exploring and you're expanding the cloud but if you look down the clouds are are parting to give you a, a bigger view of the earth to see what those resources are to explore further and then the um with the relational aspect is that the other people in the game they're doing the same thing and where the where it becomes relational is when the clouds part from between you and you can start to share resources and you can start to communicate about what's what's they can see on their part of the game so that was really uh what it was all about so when you're in my kind of view of of how do you live in community it's sharing uh, those resources that you're finding and your knowledge your information about what's out there for life so then and again in the civilization game now you decide if you're going to make alliances if you're going to go to war if what um what you're going to build towards if that's uh, farming or technology so you're making those decisions so it's a i think it's a great picture of of um community living it's well you could you can build up your own fortress and you can fight from it or you can or you can make alliances for the purpose of of um expanding your kingdom or you can you can share and 
um, continue to push the clouds back and see, explore what's out there. So that was kind of the difference for me that who you're going to, who you're going to ally yourselves with that you're going to, the people that, that want to um, conquer or the people that want to explore. I like that. It's a, it's a good analogy, I think, Luke. And, mm-hmm. and um, I like that perspective with that. But but you're an engineer. You, you stand back, you look at a problem and you analyze it and you draw certain conclusions from it and a solution to that problem. How many look at the world right now? I mean, it's current status. What's happening? Well, the... Um I don't I don't understand the half of what's going on around us. Um but the so what I go back to is uh, well if I'm if I want to understand so what what's important? So how do you know, who is God? What is God? So let's ha- let's start with a simple understanding of, of that. And uh and not that not not that anything I say here is a matter of um of importance, or, or um, the, I had a a, um, a a former pastor who wrote a book, uh, more clever than than Jesus. So he had, that was very uh, tongue in cheek to say, you know, we 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 say and do things, and sometimes we think we're we're quite clever. So it's just a matter of of that sharing, like like in the game of, well, this is what I understand so far. See see how it see how it w- makes sense for what you've gotten. And how does it benefit you? So it's like the uh, the, the, the depression era story, story, right? Where the um, where the the uh, beggar is coming to the house, and and uh, and and the um, matron of the home she she feeds him and and is kind to him, and then they're then they're realizing that there's there's more beggars coming, and the son watches um, from the, how the how the beggars are interacting before they come, and the uh, they and he realizes they've made a mark on the curb not far from the mailbox so they've they they have a code between them where they make a mark to say this is where the bread is sometimes the 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 mark would mean this is where a bed is so this is a good place to sleep this is a place to get food so the son would go in and say to the mother i i understand what's happened do you want me to go and and um scrape the mark off so that so that they, not so many people are coming all the time and she said, "No, that's that's why we're here. That we we have to share what we can." And um, so it's more like that. That this is just my little mark in the curb. That this was there's something there. There's good food here. So um, your your mileage may vary. If the um, uh, past performance doesn't gar- guarantee future results, but this this is my experience for what it's worth. Right. So. One beggar helping another beggar to find bread. So it's when you look at the world around us today, it's like, who is God? Well, for a working understanding, the 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 um, the beggar's idea again here, just for what it's worth, that God is our source of right and wrong. Truth is too too loaded a term, too complicated. He's a right and wrong. So what God says is right. We do, and what God said is wrong, we're to avoid, right? So we go about that. Well, where are we going to learn truth? Well, in four places. One, from his word, the Bible. And then his, his Holy Spirit 
how he's going to speak to us is, um, seems to be how he communicates. Well, however you recognize him. And then in prayer, if you hear something, that might be the Holy Spirit as well, but um, look, look to uh, list, make some uh, time to listen to hear that. And then in the, uh, the people that are also following the Lord, those, those others that are um, trying to understand right and wrong, that those things should align. So if you've got, if something speaks to you in prayer, if you've got this idea, if you've got this advice, it should align with, with what you read in the Bible. It should align with what your friends are telling you. If it doesn't, then that's kind of your filter. So take all that's happening to you and what you're seeing in the world and say, what does God say that is right about this and wrong about that? And spend your time and effort on what's right and let the rest of it go. So much of it is emotions and feelings and anxiety and pain that um, understand what's right and spend your energy on that. And then after you've done the best you can with that, rest at the end of the day. Hmm. That's, <clears throat> that's a great principle or principles that you, you bring up right there. It's very kind of the approach I think Luke even talked about a few days ago. Luke, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, it, it reminds me of some words that one of my best friends said to me when I was talking to them about uh, dealing with others whom I knew who were going through struggles and trying to help, help them bear with, right? Yeah. And what he said was, Luke, you don't really need to know anything about all that. All you need to know to communicate to them is one very simple, ultimate question. Who is Jesus Christ? And more specifically, is he who he said he was? Because if he was, what does that mean for you? And what does it mean about who you really are, what you really are? And how that completely could alter the course and meaning of your life. And um, I think we pretty much share that exact thought process just in slightly different words, but same objective, as in, you know, in Ecclesiastes, the, one of the um, voices in the book of Ecclesiastes who's most commonly known as the critic, over and over again in the English translation, it says, you know, everything is meaningless, everything's a chasing after the wind. But the word that that comes from is a Hebrew word called hevel. Everything is hevel, life is hevel, hevel, hevel. He says that like 30-something times. And um, what that most directly means is that everything is smoke and vapor. Just, it's gone. It amounts to, that everything in life amounts to nothing. And at first, you read a book like Ecclesiastes, and you're like, man, does the Bible have some pessimistic view of the world or what? But when you get to the end of that book, the author chimes in, who's the second voice in Ecclesiastes, and basically says, yeah, the critic is right. Therefore, all you need concern yourself with doing is honoring the Lord and keeping his command. Mm. It's the only thing that's not hevel. Mm. And Jesus just takes that and makes it even more personal. It's not just honor the Lord and keep his commands, which, yes, it is, but now it's know the Lord and have relationship with him. And that has a direct here and now betterment on your life. Mm. And for the rest of time, of course. John, I recall that when I was a young man, I, I asked my, my dad, what happens when you die? 
And his answer was rather cold. He said, you know, they put you in a box and stick you in the ground and you rot to the earth. Now, <clears throat> take a six-year-old, say that to him. But I would lay there at bed and at in my bed at night, and I would contemplate this, often within tears, and said, something about this doesn't add up. Even then, as a six-year-old, because eternity was set on my heart, it didn't add up. And I got a, a sense that when you were walking around the middle of the night and heading towards uh, Dunkin' Donuts, and nobody was there either, you kind of figure this doesn't add up. Does that, that make sense? Yeah, as you're, as you're talking about that, uh, stories being a six-year-old I was, that's one of the things I appreciated for all the um, confusion in my growing up that my my father I, he would communicate the tension between his uh, his um, growing up and and that his uh, father would lean on the authority of the Bible and how that was uh, mm. that that was um, contrary and and upsetting but at the same time he would say you know, there's uh, there's God there's uh, Jesus who is his son, and he's our savior, and that means that uh, we have to believe in him if we want to get into heaven. And the Holy Spirit is like our conscience. So when you die, you've got to you've got to rely on Jesus to get into heaven. What exactly that meant, I didn't know, but that was a, that was the clear message. I didn't I didn't have that that um, that challenge, but I could see that that would be that would be very difficult. But I wasn't the rocket scientist. I never have been. So that. There must have been some. Someone invited me to um, Sunday school uh, around that six year, uh, six years old uh, time period in life. That uh, and you know they're probably having an interesting discussion and and not being the the sharpest tack. That that they they probably said, "How many times can you pray to God?" Is what I've pieced together uh, later in life. And how many days of the week? Three hundred sixty-five was what I assumed the story was. But what I came away was that there was a limited number of prayers. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you had to save your prayers for the good stuff that you could pray to God, but you're going to run out of prayers. Well, there was so a there, quota. On. So there was a quota. So, so, so uh, when you're praying, know that it's a it's a limited resource. So I, I just had to smile as I, I thought about that when you're talking about your challenges similar age at least you started off at a better place yeah that was <laughs> yeah still still ignorant but you know yeah but you weren't rotten in the ground right i wasn't but not ground. afraid yeah absolutely right so let me ask you john you know what, what do you you've often said to me you know regarding speaking to something what do you speak to other dads about life, about kids, about their family, you know, what do you leave them with? And and then the second one is, what do you say to a world that right now looks to be void of those things? Maybe they're the ones still processing, I just rot in the ground, so who really cares about some sense of direction and order? A world know? lost in heaven, chasing the wind. Yeah. Yeah, maybe if I would say it in the kind of, it sounds to me like the question could be um, similar to that, uh, well, do you have a solution? And what's, is is following God a, a real solution? Because that's what you're, that's what you're sharing here. And, um, and I would kind of uh, say that what I can tell you is one beggar speaking to another beggar seeking for bread that 
my life has been greatly enriched in that um, maybe uh, if you would say it's not true, there's no, there's not a God. The Bible, the Bible isn't true. Jesus isn't who he said he was. You're not who, you're, you're not, um, you're not connected to him. You can't rely on him. And then I would say my life has been all the better for, for having tried, for having responded to what I understand he's doing in my own uh, weakness and, and uh, failures. So it's, it, it helps with the restlessness. There is a peace to it. There's, there's a, a calm that can come through the storms of life through these things, through letting him be your source of right and wrong, going to him and, and asking what to do. So I would take it back to those basics and and as for fathers or, or people that are struggling with the things that are going around going on today, that that's a it's a lot of noise. What's your place in it right now? Well maybe you can't do anything about that. But maybe you can do something about you fill in the blank for your life. And then what are the resources that you have? Who are the people that you can look to for help to be vulnerable and ask for that help mm. and to go forward in that and to go ahead and, and uh, make mistakes and blunder through it and forgive each other and, and because he's forgiven us and, and to share that goodness, that help as, um, to, to live open-handed. That's... That's a lot more fun way to live, I would say. Can I ask you one more question? Sure. Speak to the issue of loneliness. There's there's a world out there that is very hubris, who's very violent, that's very unsettled in things, but you also get this sense of this incredible loneliness. You, you were there at one point in time, and, and, and listen, simply because we say we have the Lord in our lives, which is an incredible journey, that doesn't mean we don't get lonely. It doesn't mean that we're immune to certain things, but I still have this mental image of this guy walking 1 to 3 o'clock in the morning because there's some sort of loneliness. What do you say about that? What's our hope? Yeah, I would say the the best antidote that I have experienced for loneliness was was um being able to come together for uh singing uh, praises to the Lord and and uh opening up God's word together. So if that was, you know, that's what they called the Bible study that someone would lead us in songs and then we could uh sing together. So now we're looking together at what what is right and wrong what did what did god say so that was a a great time of uh, feeling a sense of belonging and and serving together here's a need and here i'm uniquely um able that whether it be the resources the the time money talent that i have that, that yeah i can do that not everybody might be able to help with that particular issue so i can jump in and do that along with a couple of other guys so being able to uh, share in and singing and studying together and and um, serving together and, and it could be a small way. It could be just one day 
jumping in and, and grabbing a friend and, and uh, doing something for someone in particular uh, that's, uh, that they know is, is um, just because there was a need. It could be picking up and flying across the country and spending several days there or, or a week or so uh, in, a, in a programmed way. And, you know, it's a lot of fun. That, that I find to be the best cure for, for loneliness. If I'm just trying to, you know, let's watch a movie, let's go for a walk, let's, I, I just, I have a hard time with programming that way. And, um, and then, and then um, getting, uh, taking that in, in different directions and wanting to hold on to it. If I'm focusing my energy towards the Lord and serving him, uh, we, and, and uh, coaching football. So on a, on a Christian homeschool football team called the Saints, that having everyone out there, and they say, uh, we, we teach the boys that um, football doesn't build character. Football provides the crucible, the adversity, for you to come together. And now because you're a team, you need each other to be able to achieve the goal. I could really go off in a lot of places with what you just said there, but I want to say something about you because I've known you for a good while. Uh, I've often said, don't tell John you feel like you need to drill wells in Africa because there'll be two tickets on your desk in the morning. You're just that kind of guy, and you've flown to the Midwest when the family lost their dad. You've gone to Louisiana when it was crushed by the hurricane. Boy, that's been almost... How many years ago? Um, 20, Probably 10, yeah. 10, 15 years ago. And, and you've been to the islands when they were devastated as well. But you've always been that guy who just, just goes. And it's not a matter of thinking about it. It's just, just doing it. But you mentioned something about these stressors, these moments of adversity in our life. But in the current culture, it's actually an avoidance of stressors. It's a, it's a safe place. It's whether they're safe or not, I don't know. But it's almost avoidance of stressors and creating this, I don't want to be stressed. I don't want to do this. It seems to be all emotionally connected. Can you speak to that? You've been around for some time. You've had your bumps and knocks. What do you say about that? Yeah, the thing that comes to mind in that question, I'm not sure if I'm... I'm firing on the right cylinders here but the um the technology the um the gaming the the electronics that being able to have some satisfaction in in the the noises and the images and the and the responses and some of it is in person uh and uh, it's uh humans on the other side of that technology and some of it is is completely electronic that um so much is lost by the personal contact that you can have a lot of stimulation because the stimulation can feel good for whether if that's gaming, if that's social media, if that's um, shopping or whatever it is that's coming through that computer screen that we used to call the, the television the brain sucker. And now the um, I feel like the computer is the soul sucker that you're looking for the, you're, you're, you've got this, desire and it's like uh, it's not being quenched but i'm 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 stuck in the in the presence of the of the glowing screen so i i see a lot of tension that way so being able to 
recognize that it's a tool and that it's useful, but it's it's not going to it's not going to calm the storm. It's going to it's it'll make you tired enough to the point where you can <laughs> I think where you where you want to just um, end the day that it can help you pass the time, but it can't get you to where you need to be. Mm-hmm. In my in my experience. But what does adversity in life do for us, particularly for those who follow Christ? Adversity in life pushes us down to the, it, it chips away at those things that we were leaning on. It shows us our weakness. It shows us that um, we were made to have dominion. So you've got, a, you've got things, you've got people, you've got um, relationships, as well as, as uh, living things around you that you're responsible for. And how are you going to help them thrive how are you going to enjoy them and, and hold them up to the, the, their creator to, to honor him as opposed to consume and, and build them for yourself? So you're an image bearer. You're someone who's, who's to um, keep things in order for the, for the master as opposed to be the master and, and satisfy your own selfishness. Hmm. That's... That's great. So stressors in life is a part of what God uses. Is iron sharpens iron. It creates some sparks sometimes. Yeah, it's to help you see that that um, the world that I'm creating isn't the world that God wanted, and it's very unsatisfying. So as it as it breaks around me, as I see that I see the harm that I'm causing with the things that I'm doing, that that's that's what that adversity is saying. That you can't rely on this. It's a it's a it's a um, a crutch that splinters. So it smashes your idols. Yeah. It's a good way of saying it. So I, I see us now kind of approaching the, the, the runway, John, and landing gears coming down. And, and what kind of words do you leave with? Like I said, you're not a spring chicken. You, you've been around. You've seen some stuff. You've been places. What do you want to leave with the folks that have been listening to us? And we really branched out on some interesting topics that I really appreciate. And I, I got a feeling we could branch out on a whole lot more. But respectful of your time, what do you want to leave the folks listening to us right now, wherever that is and whatever time that is, is to what's your departing thoughts? I would say that God is worth following. Let him be your source of right and wrong, that he's he's worthy of being trusted with that. And as a man of science, of engineering, what do you do with that? Just You got into the Word, the Bible, and you read it yourself, and it spoke to you. And it spoke to you in a way it was intended to be spoken to, not like some other folks were speaking to you. So what's your instructions then to someone out there listening right now? Just go do one. No, I'd encourage you to pick up the Bible and read it for yourself. Come to your own understanding. Hmm. Be challenged by it. Ask some questions. There's some things that appear to be contradictory. Go ahead and seek out those answers that were talked about, the different um, the different four places to look, the, the, the Bible, the people that, that are trying to understand it along with you, ask in prayer, ask the Holy Spirit to, to guide you in it, and, and look for alignment in those answers. And, and be patient to, 
for that alignment to come because th there was um there's it's a matter of um, what do I need to know today that that daily bread idea that that um, he's not going to unveil to me the the um, answer for world peace or um, or how to end poverty or because that's not for me to know today. When it is time for me to know, he's going to unveil. He's he's never he's never late, but he's seldom early. And why is that? Because I can't be trusted with the. <laughs> I'll, I'll take the. I'll take it and run with it in the wrong direction. So, uh, so that's um, the where the patience comes in to trust him with it. John, I've really enjoyed this conversation, and it was packed full of a lot of great information and and word to to folks out there listening, and to me as well. And I've always had admired your what you do and how, how you just go for it. Luke, I don't know how uh, you think about things right now, but as we close our time out this evening, you got anything for John you want to ask? Uh, I think he summed it up pretty well for me with that close. Yeah, amen. So, John, from uh, deep within our hearts, we want to thank you for being a part of Restless, the podcast tonight, and sharing your unique story and your views on life, and uh, it certainly impacted me, and I know it did for a lot of those listening out there at some point in time. Anything else? No, I, I would say the same, that um, I would just appreciate you and and the, the guy who would sit down and say, how are you? Mm. And then he'd say, fine, and a couple hours later, he'd come back and sit down and say, how are you? Mm. Fine, thank you. How are you? And then a few minutes later, it's how are you? Because you really wanted to know. Thanks for being a, a person that really wants to know what's going on. Amen. And and I do, and you've always expressed the same for, for me, whether that's a walk in the park literally or or just checking in with the putting your head in the door. So uh, thank you so much, dear John. Thank you. Thank you for listening to episode 14 of Restless the Podcast, titled Adrift, featuring John. For we here at Restless the Podcast have hearts restless to find he who said, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. For whom is your heart restless? And for today, is your heart adrift, waiting to be steadied? <laughs>